We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with the Commando Fro duo of Chris Hart and Toby Bielkini. The pair is coming off two FFPC 750 entry Dynasty Championships as well as an 11th place overall finish in the 1800 team FFPC main event. Their career high stakes fantasy football winnings in the FFPC total well over $30,000. In this episode we talk about how they have hit on so many of their picks in Dynasty rookie drafts who stood out in the backfield at the NFL Combine, and much more. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, here are $30,000 FFPC Fantasy Football winners Chris Hart and Toby Bielkini.
welcome in, guys. I know it's been, um, boy, like uh, seven years since I think we've last had you on uh, on the HSFF Hour, but I'm glad that you're uh, that you're joining us once again. Thanks so much for coming on the, the High Stakes Lowdown this week. Before we get into fantasy football, uh, Chris, can you go ahead and, and tell the listeners what you do for a living? And then, and then Toby, if you could jump in after that. Hey, um, yeah, I'm a, a software guy. I work for Oracle Corporation. I live here in San Francisco in the Bay Area. And, uh, yeah, I'm a software engineer building demos for, for um, customers. Exciting stuff. Sit at a computer all day. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a, a banker, so even more exciting. <laughs> Well, you guys, uh, obviously, I, I think the, the one thing I've noticed, is, you know, in, in having guests on, um, there's some crossover skills from your day-to-day jobs that you're able to take and, and apply to, you know, redraft or dynasty or fantasy football, crunching the numbers uh, in order to, to maximize how good your teams can be. And, and obviously, you maximized them pretty darn well uh, back in 2018. I'll start off with uh with the main event uh in the ffpc chris congrats on that 11th place overall beating out you know uh, almost 2,000 other teams uh you had a fantastic season what you remember about that team uh when you had drafted it and, and and what was it like uh when you you know from what you can remember i know week 16 we're talking about the end of december now and, and we're you know two and a half months past that but with your team near the top of the leaderboard, you're you're keeping track of what's going on. What was it like in, in week 16, and what did you think about the team as a whole after you had uh, uh, brought it together back in September? Well, we really liked it uh, coming out of the gut, the shoot, um, and uh, you know, I, we got our tar- target tight end early in Ertz, and he was really the one who kind of powered us in the playoffs and pretty much all season, um, and. Um, I think we had McCaffrey on that team who got the later half of the first round, which I think he finished number one this year. So we had some uh, good guys on that team and we liked it and it was competitive the whole year. And uh, so it was a fun team to own. And then towards the end um, when we made it to the the playoffs and into the championship bracket, we had a pretty good first week and we were kind of hovering, you know, around 15 or something. And then, uh, we had a terrible week 15. I think we put up just near 120 points and we shot so far down. I think we're in the hundreds or something. So honestly, we kind of gave up on that team. I was actually at the 49er game that Sunday when that team was doing well. So I kind of was detached from what was happening. And then I have another buddy who called me on the way home and said, look at your team. And it was like in third place at that time. I think there was a Sunday night game left. And we were in third place with still people to go. So it was real exciting. I remember calling Toby, and and he had no idea as well because he was focusing on the dynasty teams. And, um, yeah, it was it, it became really exciting all of a sudden, that's for sure. Yeah, no I no question, especially I, I can't even imagine that when you kind of like you're punting after week 15. You're like, ah, oh, it was a good run. You know, we did what we could. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get busy watching your dynasty teams. You're taking in the Niners game and then – uh, all of a sudden, you're like, wait a minute, we're we're all of a sudden, you know, serious contenders here. That would have been uh, quite quite the switch being flipped uh, if I was paying attention to that. No question. Uh, let let's. I think it. that team put up like 200, 228 points or something oh on the last week. Oh my gosh, two twenty eight. That's insane. 
Uh, and that and that's the type of thing that sometimes can win a national competition. So for you guys to come out of nowhere and finish all the way up in 11th, kudos to you. Uh, that is very impressive. Toby, let's talk about those dynasty teams that you were following uh, week 16 last year. You won both of your FFPC 750 leagues. Um, how do you guys, uh, you know, I think there's many more decisions to make when it when it comes to dynasty and player evaluation because you're you're drafting or you're acquiring or you're trading for these guys for their careers, you know, uh, until you decide to get rid of them off your roster. How do you and Chris work together so well, um, both for your dynasty and for your main event, your other teams? What what happens when you guys come to a disagreement that neither one of you wants to budge on as, as far as a player evaluation, a trade, a draft pick, a blind bid on the waivers. Uh, you know, it's specifically, let's, let's concentrate, I guess, on dynasty here. When you disagree on a player, how do you guys sort of resolve that? And, and how has it worked out for you so well in the past? Okay. First off, we've been friends since third grade. So we've known each other forever uh, and we communicate well to each other. So that's the biggest thing you have to be able to express who you like, why you like them, defend your position. We'll, if there's a player that I like and I have rated differently than a player he has, you know, we really start asking each other to, to please go back and look at film on our guy. We In the dynasty format, because we have 12 hours on a draft pick and not that, our, not that we want to use the whole draft time, but when we disagree, we have time to then go back and, and really, you know, keep, keep – uh, uh, you know, arguing for our player. In the end, I've felt comfortable with Chris's evaluation of players that if if I if I'm arguing for a player and he's telling me there's somebody better, I, I'll defer. You know, if unless unless it's the the strongest of cases. And you know, every once in a while, what happens is I'll, I'll pass on a player. I thought Kyle Rudolph uh, a few years back was the the easy end of the round one pick, and uh, I forget who we took at that for that draft, but we waited on Rudolph and, and sure enough, five picks later, he started getting into a spot where we could trade up to get Kyle Rudolph too. So you don't, you always can have the option of trying to trade back up and get both players if we really feel strongly about it, but it's communication. It's, it's explaining why you feel a certain way and being willing to listen, you know, and be open-minded what the other person, it's not a, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a process. And we, we start communicating how we rank guys, uh, pretty much right after the combine, you know, we're already talking and just pointing out players that we have an eye on. So I'll let him know the guys that I think are are better than what their ranking is, you know, at least as we see it coming out. And that way he knows if, if uh, during the draft that guy's available, that's going to be somebody I'm looking at. Um, now, Toby, you, br- you bring up the combine, and, and before we started, you know, recording the podcast, I didn't realize what a, what a freak you are about, about watching the combine and ingesting all that information. Um, tell the listeners, well, I want to get into DK Metcalf here because he was one of the big stories of the combine, but you, you, you watched much more of the combine than I did. How much of it did you watch? And give us your thoughts on DK Metcalf as, as a professional football player. Okay, I watched the entire the entire combine uh i'll watch all everything that's put on air uh and i usually watch it a couple times but by the time i'm drafting for the rookie uh drafts i will say i've been disappointed this year that mayock was not uh commentating because he would give little tidbits uh during you know different drills that uh that would make me look in deeper at certain players Uh, but yeah with this I'll, i'll watch it from start to finish uh i just enjoy 
uh, seeing all the players doing the drills. And sometimes, you know, you'll watch a player like uh, Ian Thomas, uh, last year's tight end drills, just jumped out to me. Uh, he looked like a wide receiver. Uh, and, you know, so all, all off season, we talked about Ian Thomas saying if he lands in the right spot, uh, you know, and, and it prepares you during the season. All of a sudden, Olsen gets hurt. You know, we might overpay for the rookie, uh, but you but you're prepared for it, and you know who he is, even if he's not, you know, in the top five of the position rankings or top ten, uh, as it may be. Um, yeah, DK Metcalf had an incredible combine, uh, like crazy uh, uh, numbers in the drills. Uh, his forty four three three, his vert over forty inches, over eleven feet broad jump. Uh, if you're making a video game, he's your 99, you know, uh, ranked player. I'm a little worried because he got hurt so often in college. And uh, I like it when a guy has good production. When you have that type of ability, it's always nicer when they have good college production. Um, so, you know, I'm not sure if he's uh, uh, Kevin White, you know, a couple years ago had very similar numbers. Say He was 20 pounds lighter, but very similar numbers. And, you know, injuries have de- derailed his career. So in, in dynasty football, you can't – a roster spot has value. And so you can't tie up a roster spot for five years waiting for a player to become good. Um, if you're competing that year, you probably only have a couple developmental spots on your roster uh, because when bye weeks come, you need every roster spot to be helping you if you're trying to win a title. And when you're paying $750 for a dynasty league entry fee – you want to make sure that, that you're competing every year. You can't really uh, – uh, there is no tanking in, in uh, the FFPC format because if you don't make the playoffs, you need to make sure you get a top draft pick so that you make the playoffs the next year. Um, so as awesome as DJ Metcalf is, uh, because we had really good dynasty years, uh, dynasty year last year, uh, we're not going to have any shot at him and almost any draft unless we want to pay a ton to move up. And quite frankly, at this point – uh, I'll let somebody else take that risk or have that enjoyment of, of, of taking him, even though he is a just a freak athlete, and I hope the best for him. Yeah, no, and, and you're right about the numbers. I mean, by and large, they were filthy. I mean, he put up some, you know, inc- I mean, on the bench, the four, I mean, everything was great. Now, the two, the two numbers that do concern me uh, for anybody who is, let's say, drafting in, in like, um, I mean, it'll depend upon where Metcalf gets gets picked in the NFL draft and who drafts him too. But for anybody who is picking in that top half of the first uh, round and, and you're looking at DK Metcalf, I look at that, that three cone and, and the, um, and the short, I think it was a short shuttle. Yeah 20, yeah. 20 yard shuttle. Both of them. He did. I mean like the 20 yard shuttle. I want to say like Kevin white, the guy I used because he was also a, a free workout guy, you know, West Virginia a couple of years ago, moved up to the top couple in every rookie draft. Uh, Kevin White did his his forty or his uh, three cone was almost I want to say like four tenths of a second faster and his and his twenty yard shuttle was a half second faster. So I mean that there is the stiffness question with uh, DJ Metcalf and and I just I, I want him to you know we'll see where the NFL evaluators put him um, and where he lands. That's the other big thing in Dynasty uh, uh, who he who who what team he lands on and the opportunity that's there means a ton. So if he lands on the Colts, all of a sudden, yes, I'll, I'll believe uh, if he lands uh, in, you know, 
Oakland, I might not feel as, as come, you know, feel as strong just because the number of super fast players that have landed in Oakland and not panned out over the last decade. The list is long. Yeah, it, it's like Oakland receiver or Oakland first round receiver is a lot like Cleveland Brown quarterback uh, as far as the last 15, 20 years go. It's, it's there's a lot of a lot of similarities there. Um, let's shift to tight end. A uh, couple of I didn't even you know I. I, I'm in Big Ten country here in, in Northeast Wisconsin, and and you know obviously I, I I followed Iowa a little bit. I did not realize that both T.J. Hawkinson and Noah Fant uh, both had the opportunity to go in the first round uh, this year. Uh, Noah Fant obviously had a, a fantastic 40. I, I saw him uh, mocked in the top 10 in in a recent mock draft uh, on the internet, where all mock mock drafts are seemingly. Um, and then you have T.J. Hawkinson. I've seen him go plenty of times in many a mock, eighth overall to Detroit. So both these guys, uh, Chris, have a great shot of going in the first round. I don't know if you have any feelings on on either of these guys and, and how strong they are, or, or maybe you know, you're know you you're still waiting to see in the process and, and delve a little bit deeper. But Evan Engram had a massive rookie season uh, as a tight end, and we know, we don't normally see that in the NFL. Do you think either of these guys stand uh, better than a 50% shot of, of having a similar type season, or or am I just getting a little too carried away with the measurables we saw from them at the combine and, and the tape they put up uh, back uh, when they were Hawkeyes? Well, um, that's a great question, and I think the first thing the first thing that I think about is. Um, whether or not they have a really good first season is not really a huge concern of mine. Um, it's a bonus if you have a tight end in these FFPC leagues that comes out the gate hot, uh, especially if it, it can build um, a lot of equity for your team. Uh, we've always been very staunchly supportive of the tight end position. And, and if you look at both these dynasty leagues we've uh, that we own um, – Tight end has always been a strength of ours. So uh, we always carry at least one or two prospective um, tight ends on our um, teams, and that's been uh, a great success for us over the years. So with these two, they both look like the real deal. Um, I think Evan Ingram's a great comparison, and I think um, a Gronk is a really good comparison for TJ Hawkinson. Um, so if those guys – they're even being compared with those guys, then you're looking at uh, two guys that I think would go definitely in the first round. And, um, you know, we've always kind of finished in the top of these leagues. So the tight ends uh, is kind of about where it goes in the second after the first round. So we've been lucky enough to pick up these guys. Um, I do think that, um, like Toby said about DK Metcalf, uh, where they land is going to be the major contributor on how they do. Um, if you get into a team that um, spreads the ball around, has got a quality quarterback that can get the ball out, um, knows how to read defenses, um, those are the kinds of things that make rookie tight ends successful. Um, it's about situation, and uh, a lot of the tight ends that can um, be successful in our league um, uh, are not doing anything, and it's a lot of the times it's because they're not in the right system and they're fighting for playing time. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited about these two, and um, they both have their um, skill sets. I think Hawkinson um, 
I think he's going to see the field a lot more. Um, and I, because he can be a combo tight end, um, running or, or pass blocking and pass receiving. I think Fant's, um, Fant, I think he would probably take a little bit longer to develop. Um, and uh, again, there's a lot about it that I don't know as far as um, what type of system he's excelled in. If he was in a, um, a system in college that was um, highly pro-like, um, that makes a big difference. I still have to review all that, but I'm really excited about these two. Chris, let me follow that up because you talk about your your strength of, of these dynasty teams in the FFPC. You know, tight end has it's been it's worked out for you. You guys have been very good at acquiring really good contributors uh, at that position. Have you typically drafted these guys and 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 kept them on your team and and you know had them develop and and had them turn into studs? Are you are you acquiring these guys via trade? Are you picking them off the waiver wire? What sort of been um, how have you been? How have you made tight end uh, a successful position for you? Has it been the draft, trade, waiver wire? What what's been um, what's been the secret? Draft capital mostly. Um, I think we spent a third rounder on Kittle a couple years ago. We we took um, Ebron. I mean, we've had Ebron on our team the whole time. He finally came around. Um, we uh, we took Jimmy Graham um, when he was a rookie, and we finally traded him this offseason. Um, and, uh, Ertz, we drafted, he was, um, it took a few years before he was a successful tight end. So if I look at like Fance or Hawkinson, if, if he's an Ertz, you're super happy, but it's still a year or two before he even becomes a guy that you can put in your lineup with confidence and it's not a dart though. But yeah, it's mostly been the draft and, and holding on to those roster spots and dedicating them to tight ends um, because they put up huge numbers. And if you get one in the right system, it, it, it can be huge. Yeah, Eric, we've uh, we've drafted and developed almost all of our tight ends. Um, and and you in this FFPC format where we get the one and a half points per reception, you really have to. Uh, you have to uh, to to be willing to give a roster spot or two just to the developmental. Uh, tight end. So we have Gisecki, um, you know, that we grabbed. He fell, uh, you know, to us. And we have Gisecki, and we know that, that he, he didn't perform this in his rookie year, but almost no tight ends do. The uh, uh, Ingram's year was an anomaly. Uh, if, if you get 30 catches out of a tight end, that's actually a successful stat year for most rookies. And the big problem is we don't know how much time, how quickly they're going to get integrated into the offense and, and be a good blocker and be able to stay on the field and, and get that time, you know, so that they, so that they have the targets, you know, to put up the stats and that like TJ, uh, he's from all indications, his b- blocking is great. So he'll be on the field immediately. Whereas Fant, um, you know, he's a, he, he might take longer, but it doesn't mean that he's not worth drafting and holding on to, um, and, and, you know, and, and having as a, a, a very good pro eventually with with these tight ends uh toby have you um you know i, I by and large tight ends usually are, don't make massive impacts year one uh usually year two year three that they, they, they really start to to make some hay uh do you guys ever fish around and have you ever you know come across owners that maybe took a tight end at the end of the first round of rookie drafts or early second round of rookie drafts 
had them on their roster, weren't satisfied with their rookie season. Do you ever try to go in and, and pluck these guys off their roster and, you know, knowing that they they let them develop uh, for a season on their roster and now maybe you could reap the benefits right away. Have you ever had much success doing that or, or do you usually find that owners are, are not willing to part with them only after one year? The, the, there's more likely that they're going to cut a rookie tight end during the season than trade a rookie tight end that they have early draft capital in. Uh, in the off season for cheap, uh, it's just that's what we found. So, you know, uh, Mark Mark Andrews gets drafted in third, but then gets cut because the team can't uh, needs to open up a roster spot during bye weeks. Um, so you're you're almost better to get the cheap good deals in the waiver wire during the season, um, and and sometimes you know in the second year off season if a if a player holds on to him, uh, you can get him for cheap, but uh, but it's really tricky because it, it's hard to convince somebody to sell them for you know, a second or a third if they, they say, well, he's a first-round tight end. And and everybody knows it takes a year or two for a tight end to develop. So uh, it, it's a tough one. to that, That's why our success truly on the tight end has been draft and, and developed and know that we're going to hold on to them uh, for two or three years. And luckily, because the, the tight ends, we've done a good job of evaluating uh, our our fancy tight ends. And so luckily they, they usually hold value uh, for several years and they show enough that, that if we want to move on to another player that we can trade them away and still get something for them, um, you know, that, that helps improve the team. Toby, I want to switch uh, gears and, and shift to the backfield here. Um, I, I, you know, everybody's talking about what a big wide receiver year it is. And obviously there's a lot of talented wide receivers in the 2019 draft. I'm curious, as, as far as the running backs that, that, that specifically worked out at the combine, did any of them stand out to you? And, and I know it's, it's difficult to get, um, a, you know, draft a project running back where, you know, sometimes he enters his, his pro career as the third string guy. And it's difficult to keep a guy on your roster like that. Uh, with the short benches in, in the FFPC. But uh, were there any other running backs that, that you saw at the combine? Did they stand out to you as, as potential guys that, hey, you know, this is a guy that we should look at in the second, maybe third round? Okay, yes. This this year's running back class, uh, when it's being compared to the last two years, it's coming up short. But the last two years were the deepest running back classes that we've had back-to-back, uh, I mean, for as long as I can remember doing fantasy. So this year's uh, class is actually a pretty deep class. There's a lot of guys in it that, that I like. It's where are they going to end up, who's going to draft them, and in what round, uh, you know, because you, you get an indication from a, a team uh, how much draft capital they put into a running back, the more likely they're going to try to get them on the field earlier. Um, guys like Miles uh, Sanders for Penn State, um, he had a really good combine. Uh, like, uh, there are a lot of guys that I – Okay, I'm, I'm frustrated with Josh Jacobs that he didn't run. Obviously, he's going to be going early in every draft. Uh, Bryce Love, he's hurt. I would love to see what he actually put up. Um, guys like Justice Hill, I thought he had, I mean, a really good – we knew he's a fast guy, but to, to, to actually run a 4-4, um, his size makes me worried that he might not be an everyday player, uh, you know, an every-down player, but uh, – um, you know, there were a couple guys I was disappointed with their times. Uh, Elijah Hollywood or uh, Holyfield, I mean, uh, his his uh, I, I was disappointed with that. Uh, Singletary out of Florida Atlantic, you know, he was hyped up to be uh, super fast. and His numbers, you know, weren't quite there. But people need to remember 
four six for a running back is okay. It's it, I mean, Le'Veon Bell was a four six running back, so it, it doesn't. It's what can they do with the ball in their hand? Do they fumble? I mean, they they're never going to see the field if they fumble. Do they do they pick up their blocks? Are they going to protect? Pass protection for a young running back is so so key because it's going to be. Are they trusted to be on the field with the starting quarterback um, in key key times when when they might be passing? Um, so so there's a lot of opportunity with this draft class. I don't know. Uh, it's really going to depend on where some of these guys land. I like Dexter Williams out of Notre Dame. Where does he go? You know, his time wasn't the best, but I watched all his games. I know how good he is. But but who drafts him? And and you you can end up with uh, uh, in the PPR. You know these PPR leagues. Uh, a guy like Trey Cohen. You know I think we drafted him in round five, uh, round six. I mean we t- took him really late. And we kept him on our team because of the PPR factor. You know, there's there's guys that fall through the cracks here. So that's half the fun. Lindsay, no, I don't think any of the dynasty high stakes dynasty leagues I was in, Philip Lindsay was even drafted in the six rounds. Yeah, no, I no question. You make it, that's a lot of names right there, and and I think the names that I'm I'm like mentally filing in the in the back of my head that I need to pay attention to as as we get through this, uh, you know, these next seven weeks until these guys actually find a home in the NFL. So a lot of good names for there, uh, there for sure, Toby. Uh, Chris, I'm going to shift this question to you. Um, two guys, I mean, because Dynasty is not all about rookies. It's it's also knowing, you know, when to buy, when to sell on players. And, and two guys that I think um, that a lot of people are, are looking at um, maybe making a move on right now are Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, two guys we're really not sure where they end up. Now, if you own, uh, you know, either of these guys, Chris, uh, or if you're looking to acquire them, what what kind of? I mean, what what are you doing right now? Are you are you sending out draft picks for for either one of these guys? Are you trying to buy low on any of these guys, or or are these the type of players that you you kind of want to be done with and 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 move on from? Uh, that's a real difficult question. I think if you own either of these two, it's going to be hard to get value for them right now or what you think is their value because there's just so many questions right now. Um, I don't know about you, but if you watch that sports center um, interview with Antonio Brown, um, the crazy level just shot off the roof with him. <laughs> I always knew he was a little eccentric, but he, he seems a little bit crazy now. Um, I don't know. You know, He's forcing his way out of a situation that is just tailor-made for him. Um, he's got his bread and butter. He's had his bread and butter from the Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger as far as opportunity and how successful he's been. I don't see how you could possibly want to leave that situation or ever let it get to a situation like it is. I don't claim to know the full ins and outs of it all, but it seems to me like uh, you make that relationship work. Um, and... I can understand Le'Veon Bell's point more. Um, he doesn't feel like he's getting paid what he's worth, and the lifespan of a running back in the NFL is, is um, a lot shorter. So you have to kind of fend for yourself, and I know it's it's a tough business for these players. Um, but Le'Veon Bell is out of the league for a year now, and we still don't know where he's going to go. I think someone will pick him up, um, but I don't know what kind of shape he's in. So I think one of the main things that you have to do when you're in Dynasty is to – you're always trying to maximize value, um, but you also don't want to be someone who has um, a top-tier player just fall off the map immediately. And 
even though I like these players, um, they're very talented. They're putting themselves in positions where they could immediately lose uh, a ton of value. So um, they could end up in a great situation. Um, Antonio Brown goes to the Patriots, and we have a Randy Moss 2.0, maybe. Uh, that would be amazing. But I think the the amount of good situations available for him um, are way less than the, the, the situations where his value is going to decrease. I think similarly with uh, Le'Veon Bell. So for me, I'm, I'm, I'd rather get rid of these guys than bring them on. But um, it's going to be tough for anyone who owns them to try to sell them for cheap right now. So uh, I would prefer to stay away. And luckily, we don't have any draft cap. We don't have any dynasty capital in either of these two guys. And we have been getting trades for them. I think we were offered um, Antonio Brown for. Um, it was uh, Aaron Rodgers, Antonio Brown, and Kareem Hunt for uh, McCaffrey and Matt Ryan, and that was yeah. an instant instant reject. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that'd be tough. There a lot of question marks that you'd be acquiring in that in that trade. No, uh, no doubt about it for sure. Um, let's move. Okay, so we kind of talked about this uh, just now, Chris. If I mean, you guys obviously aren't trying to sell either Brown or Bell because you don't own them any, anywhere. And I don't know if there is a player on your roster that that um, that you are trying to move. Um, but if there was a player, as you look at the landscape of the NFL, if there was a player that that now is the right time to sell, now is the right time to get what you can for him. Who would that be? And then is there a player that maybe um, it's it you know strike while the iron's hot on this guy you can get him uh, cheap right now this is the time to buy is there a player like that uh if you give me one of each and then and then toby after chris is done if there's one of each uh for you guy uh for you as well you know um when i look at dynasty teams i look at guys that i think have recently outperformed what their norm is and um and then i so those are the guys that I want to try to sell, even though I might like them a lot. I mean, we've had Matt Ryan for as our starter on both of our, of our FPC Dynasty teams from the beginning, and he just um, is always right there for us. But he's had some great seasons, and I threw him up on the trade block. It's not that I don't like him or, or want him. I think he finishes number two. It's just it's basically do you um, have a more value on a guy than you think he's that he's that he's perceived to have so um i i don't really i don't really know um i i look at all these guys as a as as basically like stocks and so it's not one or the other for me it's where does the where's where's his value set and a lot of that value can be determined if there was like a come out dynasty draft um but you know i'm always just what we found out is that um picks kind of picks are what the dynasty capital is and that for me is where you make the most that's how you can gain the most value is by constantly trying to get rid of people that are overvalued for picks and um and so i, I mean i i'd look at the teams and i've looked at the trade bait on our teams and they're all guys i'd love to keep um but i'm just they're out there because they're overvalued in my opinion so i don't really know if i have specific guys right now um, i'll try to think of them in the next couple minutes after toby goes yeah toby what are, what are your thoughts on this okay i don't uh there's very seldomly uh, uh is a player that that we've liked so much in their you know coming out of the draft that we've put in the 
the draft capital on him, and we've carried him to a point, and then something happens where we just by the time by the time you know that you want to get rid of somebody, uh, chances are they're so devalued that you're not going to get rid of them for what you want. So it's really each year we take the we take the approach and we look at our team. We kind of figure out who we're not going to be able to keep because we normally you know an FFPC it's a it's basically a 16 man keeper league you know and so there's always going to be four or five guys with the IR you know if you have two good players on the IR you're going to have some really tough cuts and then the other thing is it's really just what are people how are people in our league valuing our guys and are they somebody sending us over a trade offer that is uh, of adequate value that it's like okay we love this guy but he, he obviously likes him a, a bunch too and we're going to have a tough cut anyways so it's not we don't come up with a list. Like I wouldn't want to have like Forte right now. Um, I'm not anything against him. He might have a great career, but you know, uh, he's been injured a lot for his short career and you know, Jacksonville's not a team that I'm you know running to buy into right now. Uh, I, I, I like their defense, but um, so Forte would be somebody that I, I don't love. Fournette. Uh, or Fournette. I'm sorry. Fournette. Uh, and Chris, uh, Chris and I were talking last night, and the guy that there is a uh, uh, one of his local guys that he's a big fan of, and that I know that he's uh, wanting us to target. But I'll let you explain that one, Chris. Oh, are you talking about McKinnon? Yeah, McKinnon. Yeah, that's a homer pick, but I think he's going to come in and have a, a good a good shot at putting up some real numbers in the system. And I I know that. Uh, um, in San Francisco, there's opportunity for someone to come in. Brita came in with um, and performed um, very, very admirably last year, but I think McKinnon is going to be fully healed, and um, he's real strong. I don't know. I, I, I just saw that earlier this week that he, I think he set the record for the most bench presses at the Combine. This spark score is really high, so um, if he can come back from an ACL injury, um, and I all word on the street now as he's fully healthy and starting to um, integrate that he could be a big time player that jumps up. Um, and, he, and he's a rece- he, he gets a reception. So that, that would be, you know, a PPR guy that's coming off an injury that we could target, but then it's how low, what we consider fair. Somebody else might find insulting, right? Uh, what, you know? And so uh, sometimes it's, it's opportunity in a given league. The nice thing about the dynasty leagues is there is a little turnover and usually when somebody new comes into the league, uh, you know, the, the team that they have is not all the players that they love. And so they'll start, you know, they'll, they'll kind of uh, start freeing up some of the players that you maybe wanted before. But the guy who drafted them four years ago and it's been a first round pick hasn't been wanting to part, part with them. So, um, yeah, it's really just it's, it's being paying attention to how, how your league mates are valuing guys. And every year in the offseason, there's somebody on your team that everybody's trying to get, you know, last year it was Christian McCaffrey. We had probably 50 offers with C- Christian McCaffrey included, and none of them were coming close to where we thought he was. Right. And this year showed it, but it, it's, it's just kind of what, you know, this year we had a lot of offers for Chris Godwin. Um, we have him on, on several teams and we've had lots of offers for him, but nobody's offering us anything substantial enough to want us to, to you know, to let go of them, we've had them since we took them in round three. So it's all about getting your guys, and then sometimes it's all about keeping your guys, uh, as it were. So uh, no question that you know you gotta you gotta take take what you want. I mean, I, you gotta be willing to kill your babies, obviously, and part with uh, players you like. But 
it's going to be for a pretty penny if if that's the way you feel and knowing your league knowing your competitors uh certainly key in that as well gentlemen it has been fun uh i've learned quite a bit i've, I've taken copious amounts of notes here uh and trying to better myself as a dynasty player uh before i let you go you guys had won nearly $20,000 in Dynasty winnings alone with the FFPC in 2018. Uh, have you earmarked that cash for anything? Have, have you already spent it? Is, is it something that's going to be reinvested into teams? What, what's the plans with the, with the cash? Well, uh, definitely some of it's going to go back into more teams, that's for sure. Um, it's always fun to be playing with house money, so that's, that's likely what will happen. Um, and, um, yeah, I don't know, Toby, anything you're interested in? Yeah. I want to buy super, uh, Niner Super Bowl tickets again with our winnings. <laughs> there you go. Right. And, and I'm, I'm holding out for the Niners. <laughs> That's hey, We did actually take our winnings and buy Super Bowl tickets back in when the Niners played Baltimore and New Orleans. We did use our winnings to go to that game. Oh, wow. Well, that obviously not the ending you were hoping for, but, uh, but wow, uh, what an experience that must have been. So were you guys – so what did you do during the blackout? Um, I was pretty emotionally upset, so I left the, the seats, and I left those two guys, our two buddies in the seats, and I went, went roaming around the middle of the Superdome, and a, a uh, San Francisco local news – cameraman and reporter were trying to find people to interview. So I ended up doing an interview that a bunch of people in San Francisco saw me and I was fairly adamant. I, I had a few beers in me, but I was fairly adamant that the Niners were going to come back that game. And I, I made sure everyone knew it. <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, they lost in the last play. So yeah. I, I, that was a tough one. That was, yeah. I, I, you know, it's always one of those things. Like sometimes I think like, you know, as being a Packers fan, Sometimes I feel like I'd, I'd rather that see them lose by 40 than, you know, lose by four on the last play of the game or something like that, or, you know, to lose a close game. That's always, it's, it's one of those things that the, when they lost the Super Bowl to Denver um, back, you know, Super Bowl 32 or whatever it was, that was, I was only in, I was still in high school, but that was, that was a rough one for me. <laughs> you know, it just uh, yeah. dominated all season. And then Elway comes in and it was a great story for the Broncos and, and they definitely deserved to win the game. Still a tough loss to take. You guys didn't take many losses last year in fantasy football a pair of $750 entry uh, leagues uh, with the FFPC dynasty that you guys brought home the title in 11th place in the main event uh, I wish you good luck in 2019 but I don't know how much you need it uh, you, you came up with a very successful season last year you definitely know what you're doing in dynasty I wish you uh, nothing but the best in all of your leagues this season and guys thanks so much for joining me uh, this week on the high stakes loan I really appreciated it absolutely we'll see you in Vegas Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage rotoviz.com slash podcast.
This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.